welcome to another Health Essentials Podcast. I'm John Horton, your host. When it comes to communication skills and voicing displeasure, it's tough to top your stomach. Your tummy is a way of getting your attention when things aren't ideal. That grumble can be anything but subtle. So how does this usually silent organ suddenly get so loud? Can it be a sign of something beyond just being hungry? When we have questions like that, we turn to gastroenterologist Christine Lee, a regular guest on the podcast. Dr. Lee is one of the many experts at Cleveland Clinic who join us weekly to offer insight into our health. So let's find out what's behind hunger pangs and the best way to keep that noise down. Dr. Lee, welcome back to the podcast. It is always a, a great time when we have you on. Thank you for having me. So, so today we're talking about um, stomach pangs and, um, and, and really just how incredibly loud uh, your stomach can get. I mean, I know sometimes I've had that where it just goes off and I cannot believe how loud um, it can be. Yeah, so those noises um, can come and go. It's kind of like if you ever hear water trickling down your gutters along the side of our, your house. Um, those are noises that sometimes uh, get amplified depending on the food gas that's traveling through your intestines. You know, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is learning uh, new things. And in researching for this, um, I learned that there's actually a, a formal name for the growls that your stomach makes. Um, and it's called, make sure I get this right, borborygmi. So what causes this sound and, and hunger pangs in general? Yeah, so those are, uh, you've said it perfectly well. That is a great enunciation for it. I've been practicing. It just means it's, <laughs> it's a scientific word that just means intestinal rumbling sound that can be made uh, caused by gas and uh, food or digested material moving through the intestines. So what does, I mean, it's hard to believe, though, that just your intestines kind of, I mean, things moving around there can make that audible of a sound. Yeah, so it has a, it's multifactorial, meaning how much fluid is hitting against how much uh, semi-solid material that's in your intestines. Uh, additionally, the intestines is lined by muscles, but it does act like plumbing. So sometimes it's just more rigid and sometimes it's more compliant, more relaxed. So depending on the motility, meaning how the intestines move, and brush up against each segment of the intestines and how much fluid versus semi-formed or semi-solid material it, it hits in waves determines the sound, the pitch, and the amplitude or, or how loud it is. I, and it can, I, sometimes I'm amazed at how loud it is. I think we've all been in that spot where you're sitting, uh, sitting in a room and your stomach just makes that noise and everybody turns and you're just like... <gasps> I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's not something you can control because it just really does have to do with the environment at the time that it's occurring, meaning the the ratio mix of liquid versus solid versus the rigidity or the relaxticity of your intestines at that time and how much buffer you have. You mean uh, soundproof wall barrier. So uh, the less padding you have, the louder the sound's going to be. <laughs> well, I, I definitely have some padding, but it's still getting out. So <laughs> I, I thought when I was reading through everything too, I saw that there was something with an appetite hormone called, well, I don't mean what, like gr ghrelin? 
Did I say that right? Correct. Correct. That's a hormone that generally is released and circulates in your body. And it's it's the intent is to kind of hit the satiety center in your brain. So it controls your appetite. So in a normal, uh, perfect state, when you're when you haven't eaten and you your body's needing some energy, uh, that hormone gets released. It causes a lot of motility, motion. Um, so it's basically trying to wake you up. The stomach's moving, the small bowels churning. It's kind of saying, "Hey, feed me, feed me," kind of thing. Uh, and once the the hormone society, satiety center gets hit and satisfied, then things calm down, and uh, you you're it's supposed to control or stimulate or lessen your appetite. Now, everyone does associate that kind of grumbling stomach sound with being hungry, but is that the only reason that, that you might get that? No. In general, you most people associate that you hear it more when you're hungry, but sometimes it can actually, if it's, especially if the noise is ma- being produced lower in your abdomen, it may be just the fact that your uh, the food that you've eaten is getting digested through the uh, small and large intestines and making that noise. So if it's coming from there, it's part of just passage of the liquid and food debris going through the intestines. If it's coming from more upper in that stomach, up, uh, upper abdomen, abdominal area, it's generally more associated with hunger and that the stomach is empty and it's growling for more food. Now, are there also times where it's just, um, I hate that your stomach is not happy. I saw where it's linked to like kind of food allergies or intolerances or things like that. So a lot of things can make your stomach unhappy. So we too, we do try to categorize mid, upper, mid and lower abdomen. A lot of times people just use the word stomach, but a stomach area is a generalized, uh, geographical space. So upper part of your abdomen is more truly in line with your stomach per se. Mid abdomen can encompass really small bowel and large bowel. And then the lower abdomen is generally predominantly your colon. So those three segments are uh, when unhappy, meaning pain in the upper abdomen is a little bit different than the pain in the mid or lower abdomen as the mid and lower abdomen suggest more intestinal or colonic origin and the upper can be, uh, it still can be colon. Your transverse colon goes up way high, but it could be generally the stomach or the transverse colon. Dr. Lee, let's, as long as we're talking about where all this is at, let's get a little real estate uh, figured out here. So upper abdomen, um, I guess let's use our belly button as a, as a navigation point. So I take it the upper abdomen would be up above that. Yeah, so the upper abdomen is above the belly button. Mid abdomen would be the level of the belly button, and lower abdomen is the lower uh, below the belly button. And the reason that helps us kind of help the patient locate the source of the problem is um, when your stomach's upset, we tend to think more in line of gastritis, peptic ulcer disease, uh, upset stomach sort of thing. Mid abdomen is where if you had like celiac sprue or lactose intolerance, that's where most of that symptoms will occur. And then the lower abdomen below your belly button generally is predominantly all colon. So uh, when your lower abdomen hurts, it's uh, more have more commonly we make sure you don't have diverticular disease, diverticulitis, ischemic colitis, or inflammatory bowel disease, or even just constipation needs to be rolled out. 
not necessarily food allergies. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I saw in the one thing too, where there, there's sometimes a concern that you get the noise that it could be um, an intestinal blockage. And I, I take it that's a rare case, but I, I'm assuming that would be a lower sort of issue too. Right. Intestinal blockages are pretty serious. And we do want to make sure that uh, if that is what's happening, we diagnose it as uh, quickly as possible and treat it. Um, it's more common um, to have lower abdominal problems because a lot of people suffer from constipation or what we call irritable bowel syndrome. And it seems to uh, affect the general population pretty commonly. So a lot of people suffer from constipation and sometimes they don't even realize they're constipated. So a lot of people associate the word constipation with not having a bowel movement, hard bowel movement, you know, requiring a lot of straining and pain to uh, to defecate. But that's not just, that's not the only uh, part of constipation. Constipation also can encompass people who have regular bowel movements, but they're not getting everything out. So even though they had a bowel movement in the morning, they kept a lot inside the colon and that the remaining stool in the colon can cause a lot of abdominal pain and uh, cramping of the lower abdomen. So, so when that starts uh, making itself known audibly, um, when do you know when it's just like you, you're hungry versus a, a larger problem that maybe you should talk to your doctor about? So if it's just the sound itself, but it's not causing any symptoms, and symptoms means pain, fever, changes in bowel habits, meaning fluctuation from constipation to diarrhea, uh, if you don't have any of those symptoms, it's just sound alone, then that's generally very benign and it's just one of those things of life. Uh, that being said, if it's accompanied with quite a bit of pain or a pain attacks and also with changes in bowel habits where it's you know constipation to diarrhea or even bloody diarrhea, then that warrants a, an evaluation. I'm assuming that if, if you're getting those noises and it doesn't go away after you get a little food in, that might be a reason for some concern too. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, in general, when, uh, if it's bothering you, then it's worth uh, taking a look and getting evaluated and checked out. What's that saying? If in doubt, check it out. Definitely. So now the one thing everyone would want to know is if there's a way to kind of to quiet that stomach down so it's not quite as, uh, you know, uh, I'm here as, as it can be. Yeah, so if the sound does bother you, then the things that you could do to lessen that noise is to keep your large intestine less full. And this really does happen to almost all people. As we get older, our metabolism slows down. And we all know that, but they don't realize when metabolism slows down, your gut motility, which is the movement of your intestines, also slows down with that slowing down of metabolism. And when that happens, the quality of bowel movements decreases with age. So it's not uncommon for older folks, and older folks, I mean, over the age of 30 or 40, uh, our metabolism is slowing. So when you have, it's not infrequent that you have a bowel movement, but you have quite a bit still left in your colon. So the more you have left in the colon, the more noise opportunity arises as fluid and newly formed semi-solid material passes through the solid that was left in your colon, more likely to have that bangs and ping sounds that can be made. Now, if your colon's empty, less likely to make those noises. 
Are there certain foods that you might eat that that might be more prone to making your stomach kind of groan and grumble a little bit? Yes. So certain foods are more notorious than others for exacerbating more gas and noise production. The first category would be the cruciferous fruit, uh, vegetables, you know, like the broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbages, beans. Those in natural form produces a lot of natural gas. So that could exacerbate uh, that scenario. The second class would be dairy, um, lactose or milk, ice cream, yogurt, anything that has lactose in it are uh, notorious also for making excessive gas production. Um, the third category would be anything that's, you know, bubbly in itself. Uh, a lot of carbonated beverages or foods that are high content in air bubbles um, can also exacerbate those scenarios. The stuff that always makes you a little burpy anyway after you drink it or eat it. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. Because of the, uh, nat, uh, the high air content in itself can actually make these uh, scenarios worse. You know, I thought I read somewhere, too, that sugar-free candy might kick some stuff off. For Yes, that's absolutely right. So the um, sugar substitutes, whether it's sucrose uh, or fructose, any kind of uh, sweetener or artificial sweetener, tend to cause uh, more motility or almost like a non-absorbing effect. So it causes an osmotic reaction in the intestines. So it's very common to cause not just gas and noises, but also diarrhea. So Dr. Lee, is there anything that you can do even while eating that would maybe help uh, keep those you know, loud noises at bay? Yeah, absolutely. The, the loud noise is mediated with gas accumulation and it hanging off the intestine. So the decreasing the amount of air in our system uh, will lessen all that noise making opportunity. So one simple uh, behavior would be to chew with your mouth closed, which I hope we are all doing, um, and and chew thoroughly. We've covered that a lot on the show. Mom is always right. <laughs> Mom is always right. That's absolutely correct. So chew with your mouth closed. Chew thoroughly. Make sure you do as much uh, what we call mastication. Uh, chew up your food as much as possible. That kind of helps your intestines out quite a bit since they have to uh, do less of it. The more you chew up here, the less work they need to be done in the intestinal area. So chew thoroughly, swallow carefully. Um, the less air you swallow in, less air accumulation and bloating is inside your intestines. Uh, the third thing is what you can do after eating is just, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, make sure you stay active. Uh, make sure you exercise regularly. Uh, just keep things in motion when your body's in motion, your intestines in motion. Uh, anything to avoid long periods of stagnant state where things kind of accumulate and build up. So you want to just make sure you're always moving and doing exercises and staying as active as possible. And since we talked about how a lot of times your your stomach makes all that noise when when it's hungry, um, what should people do like when they're dieting? You know, a lot of times people will cut back a little bit and you kind of get those grumbles as part of it. Um, any tips as far as when you're in that spot? Yes. So that's pretty common. It's interesting that you say that because right now the uh, popular thing is all these diets, whether it's a ketone diet or Atkins diet or protein diets. Uh, it's not that we, we don't discourage you from doing those, but just like you said, if you are doing those high protein calorie diet or ketone diet, 
or, or intermittent fasting, you want to make sure you're accommodating for that. Because when you do that, your brain knows what you're doing, but your body, all it recognizes is the decrease in caloric intake. And when that happens, it does affect your metabolism and your motility. Your motility will start to accommodate whether A, it will do one or two things. A is that it'll speed up things to, in hopes to wake you up and say, hey, what are you doing? You're, you're not eat, taking in as much calories as before. So take more calories in. So it starts banging things around. Or it can actually go the other direction in what we call start, uh, energy conservation mode, almost like starvation mode. You haven't eaten for a while, so it tries to conserve energy. And so it decreases the motility. And that in that scenario, a lot of gas builds up and then a lot of those gas, when it finally starts to move, can make a lot of noises. In the first scenario, when it starts moving around to wake you up, it's almost in protest and revolts, uh, wants you to eat more. So in either case, if you are doing these um, bad diets, make sure you're accommodating for it by taking, whether it's uh, prune juice or oatmeal or bran or some sort of over-the-counter laxatives to help things keep moving in the, especially the large intestine so that you don't have a buildup of methane or hydrogen gas. And I think when your stomach does make those grumble noises, a lot of times the easiest thing is just to get um, a, a good whole sort of food in there, some fruit, some veggies, something, something to make it happy. Yes. Yes. So, you know, you want to stick with the healthy foods. Um, and again, with the, the pain or the sound, it's important to kind of locate where it's coming from. If it's upper abdomen, then it's probably in your stomach. And so you do want to put some food there, whether it's, it's berries, fruits, or oatmeal, those kind of uh, wholesome foods uh, will help in those scenarios. If the pain and the noise is coming from the lower abdomen, that's mostly your colon. So those are the ones where, you know, prunes, prune juice, or sort of kind of over-the-counter laxatives to help eliminate the waste will uh, make the sounds and pains go away. What about stress? Because I know we've all been in that situation where things just get real tense and, and you can feel your stomach tighten up and, and, and those noises just start building after that. Um, can, can stress kick off hunger pangs too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Stress is really interesting. It affects people so differently. In category A, stress can make some people's intestines just goes into spasms. So they go super, uh, they have diarrhea, they have noises, they have pain, they have cramping, they have all sorts of things. Uh, there's a second category of people where stress affects them, where they just kind of shut down. So they, you know, they get really constipated or what we call obstipated, um, Things don't move and things build up, particularly gas pains or methane gas. And then when it finally, the stress is gone and it's released, then everything becomes very explosive. So stress affects people so differently. It's very interesting. It can have either two of the extreme. It can actually cause them to get hyperactive or it can cause them to become hypoactive. And then you suffer the ramifications when it finally wakes up. But either way, it's not pleasant. So if you have that, if you're, you're having that stress reaction, if you just take a few minutes to um, do some some controlled breathing or things like that, will that usually make those sounds go away and kind of settle your stomach down? It can. It depends on what you are up against. So if it was just the beginning of it and you can kind of calm yourself down, uh, then you can avoid those scenarios. However, 
if you're too far along gone, meaning you hadn't pooped for like three days and then the stress hit, then all bets are off. And I'm not sure that any kind of meditation at that point is going to save you. So the key is prevention. You you want to put yourself in the most optimal state. You, you don't want to give your colon ammunition, ammunition being waste products. So you want to eliminate the waste as effectively as possible. So it's really not good enough that you went to the bathroom. You want to make sure you went to go to the bathroom well so that you don't have so much left inside that it's causing organic disorders, meaning diverticular disease, diverticulitis, you know, ischemic colitis, volvulus, you know, all sorts of things can go wrong when you have too much of the waste product uh, held within your colon. And I know we've talked about that before. You've mentioned the importance of just keeping your body, everything functioning the way it's supposed to and making sure you're on a regular schedule. Yes, yes. So it's just a lot of folks, because they were young and healthy at some point, they want that to continue throughout their lifetime. But as you know, everybody, I mean, this affects everybody. I don't care if you're an Olympic athlete. We all gradually age. And as we age, our metabolism always slows down with age. It never speeds up with age. It always slows down. And as that slows down, even if you were had the best, you know, my system always worked. I don't know what's happening is what I hear the most. Well, we're getting older. So just because uh, you did something well in the past doesn't mean you're going to continue to do that job well when you're, you know, 60, 70, 80. And so every year as we get older, our, the quality of uh, our defecation or intestinal motility decreases. So we just have to accommodate for that. Uh, to accommodate, we may have to eat better foods, meaning more fiber, more fruits and vegetables, um, more whole grain. Uh, and if that's not enough, then you may need to implement regular exercise to keep the muscle tone and decrease the muscle wasting process. And then if that's not enough, then you add the third agent, which is uh, over-the-counter fiber or laxatives um, any, or prune juice even just to kind of help us eliminate more effectively. Well, we have covered a lot of ground just on, on, on grumbling stomachs and, and, and all the, the reasons behind that. Um, so I guess before we say goodbye, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add on it or, um, you know, so just, and just to let me say Borborygma one more time, um, <laughs> what else, what else can you, can you add in for it? Um, I would just emphasize prevention is your best bet. Um, don't wait until you have diverticular disease. Don't wait until you have, uh, you know, bowel obstruction or ischemia or prolapse or, uh, recto seals. Don't wait for those problems to happen. Be proactive. Be, uh, you know, tighten those muscles. Exercise your core. Strengthen your core as much as possible. Learn to eat healthier every day. Make sure you exercise. Exercise. If I could bottle that up in a pill and pass that out, would be the best medication available. It single-handedly improves circulation, improves your well-being. It helps decrease muscle loss um, quite a bit, and it keeps things moving. So uh, just you know, eat right, sleep well, exercise regularly. And even if you feel that your intestines in best shape, we're all getting older, so prevention is key. Great advice as always, Dr. Lee. So I appreciate you taking some time with us today and uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you for having me. Hunger pangs may sound unnatural when they get going, 
but they're typically just your body's normal response to being hungry. A healthy snack is usually all it takes to quiet things down. But if those pangs don't go away after eating, it might be time to touch base with your doctor. Until next time, be well. Thank you for listening to Health Essentials, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash H-E podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician.